This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. The Bible is the plant that God plants in the earth, that God the Heavenly Father plants. And so what he's talking about in this verse here is that there are plants that the Father did not plant. You know, I was, yesterday I was speaking with a person who, who told me that she attended with her mother a Jehovah Witnesses Bible study. The doctrines of Jehovah Witness are plants that God the Father did not plant. The doctrines of the tradition of the elders in this passage are plants that God the Father did not plant. And the Lord's making it very clear that those plants are the wrong doctrines, such as the tradition of elders, the the oral law, they're gonna be rooted out, he says, rooted up. That's a very strong term, rooted out. That's the only way you really can remove weeds, in case you haven't noticed. You can't cut them off at the top and then expect that they're gonna die. You gotta get the roots, because every little tiny part of a root that you leave behind on a weed, it'll just grow back again. Some, Some weeds have very strong roots, Some of these false doctrines of men have very strong, deep roots in people. So that plant, which was not intentionally planted by God, it will be rooted out. And those doctrines that God did not plant have to be rooted out. And even though it's it's very similar in analogy, it's not exactly talking about doctrines in this passage, but it applies in Luke 13.6, Luke 13.6, where he spoke also a parable, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none, and cut it down. He says, Why cumbereth it the ground? God did not plant these false doctrines. Well, if he didn't, then who did? Matthew 13, 24, Matthew 13, 24, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat 
went his way, but when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, dost not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto him, An enemy hath done this. So these false doctrines of men, like the tradition of the elders, have to be rooted out because they have no right to be planted in God's vineyard of the earth. And they're taking up space. That's why he said, why cumbereth it the ground? So when the disciples came to the Lord and they told him how terrible it was that the Pharisees were offended when the Lord said that their tradition of elders was wrong, the Lord told the disciples, in essence, take it easy. Take it easy. Don't worry about the Pharisees because their doctrines are temporary and they're going to be rooted out. But the disciples were upset and they were troubled and they were anxious about the wrong teaching of the Pharisees. I mean, the disciples felt, well, maybe then we should set the record straight or maybe we should, we're, we're anxious about all this wrong teaching. And at the same time that the disciples were troubled over the rage of the Pharisees, so addressing that, the Lord says in verse 14, verse 14, let them alone, let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind lead the blind, then both shall fall into the ditch. Let them alone because their doctrines are going to be rooted out by God the Father who didn't plant them. Let them alone because they're blind leading the blind. Can you imagine that? A scene like that, a blind person, and another blind person comes up to us and says, well, let me lead you? Anyway, then Peter, he's starting to think about these things that the Lord has said in verse 15, and so then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable, he says. Parable. The Lord hears Peter ask, explain a parable, and, and the Lord thinks, parable? Who said anything about parable? I didn't say that moral defilement is like unto coming, eating, not eating. Peter just called what the Lord said a parable or analogy. Peter's off base here. He, this isn't an analogy. This is a direct explanation. And when the Lord heard Peter asked that for an explanation of, of this, what he thought was a parable, it really frustrated the Lord to the point where the Lord was getting impatient with Peter and he said in verse 16, Jesus said, are you also yet without understanding? In other words, the Lord expected, he expected the Pharisees should be without understanding, but not Peter. With that question in verse, verse 16, the Lord is wondering why Peter and the disciples didn't think they didn't use common sense. And the Lord is wondering why Peter didn't see what he was trying to say. So the Lord expected Peter to have understood that the doctrine of the Pharisees were wrong because they were focused on the outward, eating without washing your hands, and not on the inward, where the heart was. And this is the same frustration, a similar frustration that the Lord uh, had with Philip in John 14.8. In John 14.8, when Philip came to him with a question, or a request, really, in John 14, 8, Peter saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father. It sufficeth us. In other words, says, just show us the Father. That would be enough. Jesus saith unto him, have I been so long time with you, and hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How saith thou then, show us the Father? So here's Philip. He's heard the Lord Jesus speak so often about God the Father. And so he thinks that his, his request is reasonable. Just show us the Father, the one that you're speaking so much about. And Philip was no way prepared for what happened. I mean, we can just imagine the, the, the Lord. 
who also wasn't prepared for that, he is stunned on his face as he looks at him and says, I don't get it, Philip. How long have I been with you? He say, Philip, what's wrong? You spent so much time with me and now you ask me to show you the Father? Who do you think I am? So the Lord's statement was teaching Philip and teaching us that the truth of 2 Corinthians 4.4, 2 Corinthians 4.4, Christ, who is the image of God, he's the image of God. Colossians 1.15, Colossians 1.15, who is the image of the invisible God. As a matter of fact, the Lord Jesus is not just the image of God, he is the Hebrews 1.3, brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. He's the express image of God. In other words, you couldn't get a better copy, or you couldn't get a better image of God the Father than you can from the Lord Jesus. Jesus is the complete answer to what is God like? The answer to that question, what is God like, is Jesus. So when Philip asked the Lord to show him the Father, by the way, I just want to comment on that, what is God like? He was the express image of God, and the closer we get to God, the more we also show what God is like. It reminds me of a little boy who was selling apples in Grand Central Station, and he had his little apple cart there, and people came off of a train, and they just were flooding out there, and, and they knocked the boy over, and they knocked the cart over, and the apples went all over the floor, and the boy was just sitting there broken, and then this man came, and he felt so bad, he stopped, and he gathered up all the apples for the boy and put it in the cart, and the boy looked at him and said, are you Jesus? <laughs> so when Philip asked the Lord to show him who the father was, the Lord, in essence, was saying to Philip, Philip, I can't believe you just asked me that. Who do you think you're looking at? And so Philip was rebuked for this question, which shows us that we're to think when we get to know, when we, as we know, learn more and more about Jesus, we're learning more and more about God the Father. And just as Peter was rebuked in these verses 16 and 17 for not understanding that it's not from what is outside of a person that makes him dirty inside, but what's on the inside that makes him dirty. So just the same way. Now, just to make sure that no one misses the point, the Lord goes on in verse 17, and he, he's not gonna let go of this. He says, do you not understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast out into the draught. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. They defile the man. So now, here the Lord said with this, with this statement, he just shot a hole in any hope of I'm okay, you're okay. When he says this, these words in verse 18, those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. They defile the man. When he says from the heart, they defile the man, he's saying that when a person feels guilty and ashamed and unclean, those feelings are real symptoms of a real condition of internal defilement. And that means that there's a problem that needs to be addressed, needs to not be ignored or distracted away from by work, by alcohol, by drugs, by pleasures. The problem needs to be addressed. And the problem is Isaiah 64.6, Isaiah 64.6, we are all 
as an unclean thing. The internal problem of this internal uncleanness, it needs to be addressed with a cleansing, an effective cleansing that's needed. Not from an, a cleansing, not from an obsession with washing hands, which the Talmud devotes so much to, so much to just, not just hands, but just washing. The subject of washing hands is just an example before eating. External washing will not clean the heart from defilement. The only effective cleansing for the heart is Revelation 1.5, Revelation 1.5. Jesus Christ, who washed us from our sins in his own blood. It's 1 John 1.7, 1 John 1.7. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. It's Hebrews 9.14, Hebrews 9.14. How much more shall the blood of Christ purge your conscience from dead works? And it's Zechariah 13.1, Zechariah 13.1 that we sang about in the Breaking of Bread service earlier. In that day, there shall be a fountain opened to the house of David and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. And the hymn we sang earlier was, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Or as the familiar song, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is not intuitive. It's not intuitive of all to think that red blood can make something white. As it says in Revelation 7.14, Revelation 7.14, where it says, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. But only God can do this. God can make possible that the blood of the lamb is what accomplishes Isaiah 118, Isaiah 118. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. White as snow. And any other external cleansing, like washing hands, will leave a person just as dirty inside with their dirty heart. It won't work. Because only the blood of Christ can cleanse the heart from uncleanness. This is such an important point about the sinfulness of the human heart that generates all these evil thoughts that the Lord wants to make it again crystal clear. So he goes on. He says exactly what he means in verse 18, from the heart they defile the man. He wants to make this clear. There's no doubt. So the next two verses, he clarifies it when he says, those things in verse 18, verse 18, those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. It's the thoughts he's talking about, the evil thoughts, evil, violent thoughts of I'm so mad at him, I could kill him. With that thought, the heart becomes dirty. It needs cleansing. It's the evil sexual thoughts of Matthew 5.28. Matthew 5.28. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, he hath committed adultery already within her in his heart. Lusting over a woman, giving her the once over with the eyes. With that thought and with that once over with the eyes, the heart becomes dirty. It needs cleansing. Moral, this, this, this defilement 
from sin. It's all about thoughts. This is why Solomon put it so succinctly when he said it in Proverbs 24.9, Proverbs 24.9, the thought of foolishness is sin. And now he wants to make this clear understanding of the contrast so the contrast between between of what's making a person dirty between the thoughts and the tradition. So he puts an emphasis on the thoughts, puts an emphasis away from the dirty hands before you eat. In the last verse here, in verse twenty, in verse twenty, when he said, "These are the things which defile the man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man." So when the Lord says in verse twenty, "These are the things which defile a man," he's pointing back. And it's focused to thoughts. It's our thoughts. Our thoughts are evil. Therefore, we have evil thoughts. I mean, our heart is evil. Therefore, we have evil thoughts. And we need to be saved from our wicked hearts. That's why he has the name Jesus from Matthew 121. Matthew 121. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. His people's sins are his people's thoughts. So really, you could restate Matthew 121 and say, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sinful thoughts. He shall save his people from their thoughts. Man is guilty before God for what he thinks. That's not normal. That's not what people think. Someone should be guilty for what he thinks. Man is guilty for what he thinks. Man is not guilty before man for what he thinks. There's never gonna be a court case on earth where a person is indicted for thinking an evil thought? You're never gonna hear a person come into court on earth and say, you've been charged with thinking a, an adulterous thought, how do you plead? Never gonna hear that. But that's exactly the charges that will be made in the heavenly court. That's why every person is gonna be found guilty before God be and be condemned unless they had all their sinful thoughts atoned for. In Leviticus, God gave the blood on the altar. It's the blood that makes an atonement for the sin by the blood of Christ. Unless they've had all their sinful thoughts cleansed by the blood of Christ. And this is what the Lord is seeking to have them to hear and understand. So when he finishes this passage in verse 20 with, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. He's saying, dislodge from your thinking that eating with unwashed hands makes you dirty inside. It does not. He's emphasizing this point because it's not easy. It's not easy to get those ingrained ideas and make it change. I remember the first time I was less than 10 and I didn't have any Gentile friends, but I had one, a little girl named Tracy who lived a couple doors up from me. And I went over to her house as a little kid. I was probably eight. I went over to her house and there was this thing, I never smelled anything like this before. <laughs> the mother says, I, I said, what is that? She said, that's ham. Do you want some? No, well, there's nobody else Jewish around me. So I thought, yeah, I want some. You know? <laughs> I ate that ham. I thought lightning was gonna strike me when I went outside. I am mean, serious. I thought I was gonna die. Because it's hard to get those ingrained ideas out of your head, especially when they involve food and eating. You know, it's incredible that if you look at the world today, half of the civilized world still believes that eating certain foods can make you morally or spiritually unclean inside. Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, they all have this. And you can see just how hard it is to get those ingrained ideas out 
when you look at Peter in the book of Acts, when he was told to eat what he had been taught was dirty and should not be eaten in Acts 10.9, Acts 10.9 where it says, on the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh into the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, fowls of the air. Probably was lobster on there, I can imagine that. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spoke unto him the second time, what God hath cleansed, that call thou not common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again to heaven. So God told Peter, eat what you've been taught not to eat. Eat what you, what's in your mind that's ingrained in your mind that you, that's gonna make you really dirty inside. And Peter protested in Acts 10.14, Acts 10.14, by saying, Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common. He, used, he says this word common, kinus, common, and, or unclean. And it's that word that he used, it's that Greek word that he used when he protested that God said, what I have cleansed, don't you call kinos, don't you call common. And that's the same word that the Lord Jesus used when he says defiled. These will not, these will not defile you. But what defiles you is what comes out of your heart. It's that, that same word. The fact that it's that same word, it shows you how deeply Peter thought he was going to be defiled to the same level as if he committed adultery. As a matter of fact, there was a famous rabbi, Rabbi Akiva. It was Rabbi Akiva who was imprisoned by the Romans. I think I told you this. I don't remember. If I did, pretend like you never heard it before. Um, he was given a certain amount of water every day. It was brought a certain amount of water. And the, the Roman soldier noticed that he would, um, he would take half the water and wash his hands ceremonially, and then the other half he would drink. And so what happened was that um, the Roman soldier, being cruel, decided to pour out uh, most of the water and then to see what choice he would make. So he had his, um, his followers there, Rabbi Kiva did, and so he chose to wash his hands instead of drink. And so then the, um, his followers said, Rabbi Kiva, you'll die of thirst. And then Rabbi Kiva says, it's better to die of thirst than to commit the sin of not washing hands before eating. And then he said, not washing your hands before eating is a worse sin than adultery. It's hard to get those out. That's why Peter had such a very difficult time to change his focus on what really defiled him, away from foods to thoughts. So when we look at these, all these 10 verses here, 10 through 20, we have to ask ourselves a question, okay, this is all interesting, but what does it practically mean for us? What's our practical takeaway? And the practical takeaway is that one prayer that we should be praying often in our lives is, Lord, cleanse my heart from that thought. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Lord, uh, directing our thoughts to the real issue here of um, what we need to be saved from, cleansed from. And we thank you, Lord, for the blood of Christ that does save us from our thoughts and cleanses us from our thoughts.
in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.